You're listening to the Physio School Podcast, your guide to becoming a physiotherapist. In this episode, we sit down with an absolute living legend who goes by the name of John Young. John is a current first-year physiotherapy student at the University of Alberta. John's road to physiotherapy school was a long and arduous one. Approximately 10 years ago, John wholeheartedly decided to set out on his journey to become a physiotherapist. After a decade of twists and turns, a diverse collection of experiences, and a lot of hard work, John's dream became a reality in 2021 as he was accepted to multiple Canadian PT programs in Canada. During our discussion, we dive into his inspiring story by breaking down how he became interested in PT, his experience prior to PT school, his experience in U of A's PT program so far, and lastly, John talks about his experience going through our PT application booster and PT interview booster courses and how they helped him in receiving successful admissions to multiple schools. We hope you enjoy the episode. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to yet another episode of the Physio School Podcast. My name is Reed Vanderglutten, and I am joined by my savvy co-host, Anthony Pinto da Costa. How's it going today, buddy? Yeah, it's going well as usual, but uh, I got to say, Christmas holiday season has just been taking me by storm recently, especially today. Had two Krispy Kreme donuts, Ferrero Rocher's, a bunch of other holiday treats, and I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling a little lethargic right now, but other than that, I'm doing okay, man. I'm doing okay. Were these clinic treats or at-home treats? Because I can resonate with the clinic treats. I've been crushing Timbits and donuts like no one's business these last couple of days. Even worse, man. These were hospital treats. <laughs> oh, gosh. You, you wow. know how it is. You know how it is. <laughs> I know how it is. Well, hey, I'm not worried about you. I know your regime is it's it's tight. So you know what? Enjoy these two weeks and then get back on the, back on the saddle for 2022, right? I'm going to have to, man. I'm going to have to. Awesome. Well, let's jump into our episode today. Our guest, we've been really excited to bring this individual on. The guest for this episode is originally from Hamilton, Ontario, but moved to Oak Tokes, Alberta early in his life. He's a massive Hamilton Tiger Cats fan, Formula One fan, and gets way too upset over Toronto Raptors game seven losses. He's held many position titles in his lifetime, from chicken farm employee to lifeguard to construction worker to physio assistant. But regardless, it doesn't matter where he's been, but where he is at right now, which is at the University of Alberta as a first-year physio student. So without further ado, John Young, how are we doing today, buddy? Half-year. Half-year physio student. <laughs> I'm doing awesome. I'm really excited to be here. So, no, we're, nice. we're good. We're good. We're enjoying our time off right now. We're doing a whole lot of nothing. The exercise regime has not fully rebooted yet, but that's okay. We all are you have on the same goals. You on the same diet as Anthony right now? You well, coming out of my one week placement at the Rocky View Hospital, I am. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Every office you walk into, it's like people drop off stuff to every office in the hospital. There's Ferrero Shays in every single office. There's donuts. It's candies. It's you gotta yeah, you gotta watch yourself. <laughs> the slippery slope. That's enough of a reason to get into physio. For, for anyone, in my opinion. Well, private <laughs> practice has the same amount of goodies, too. It's, I mean, it's not much different. So that's very true. 
Well, like as, as we were saying, we were really excited to get you on the pod because you have a really interesting path to get to physio school. So we just want to start off really simply with the first question, just being how did you first become interested in physio and just take it away? Well, I'm glad you think so. We'll see. The, the viewers will be the, uh, the judge, the judge of that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, getting into physio, there was two main sort of events in my life that I sort of attribute to pushing me in that direction. But there was a lot of stuff. I, I think little things that you don't pick up on. But the big main one was, and I know we've had this discussion before, Reed, so you've heard this before, but uh, was my was my papa, uh, and Anthony, you know of him as well too, but uh, he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when he was 25, and I believe he passed away in his mid-70s. So he battled MS for a long time. Uh, I got to, I witnessed sort of the full re- regression. I mean, I mostly remember him with a cane, uh, but then I remembered the walker, the wheelchair, uh, and everything else kind of in between. So I was fortunate enough way before even having physio, school wasn't even on my radar actually at, at this point in my life. I was never going to go to school. But I just got to work with him a little bit. I loved exercise. I loved movement. So I kind of just tried to assist him at the time. Like you had said, I was lifeguarding. Uh, I had the opportunity to, I took one of my breaks. Lifeguarding when they were out, they were out on the East Coast for most of my life, out in uh, Sackville, New Brunswick. And this was when we had moved out to Okotoks, Alberta, which is just south of Calgary uh, from Stony Creek. But for those of you who don't know Stony Creek, because it's small, it's Hamilton. And I had the opportunity to take him swimming at this point. Uh, he was fully in a wheelchair. He could ambulate a little bit with the four-wheel walker, um, but mostly using four-point to get around. And uh, so I got to get him into the pool, got him, get him swimming. I just, I knew so much about the water. I had, was a lifeguard for close to 10 years. Uh, I taught swimming lessons the whole time. I was actually fortunate enough to teach aqua fitness classes as well too, but that's, that's another story. And I, I got him in the water. And at this point, uh, he his right side was the most affected side. And it was almost completely immobile, I guess, for lack of a better word. But getting him in the water, uh, just the, the different properties of the water help to reduce the amount of load that you have to support. Uh, takes a little of the gravity away. So I was able to get him to walk through the water. And I hadn't seen my grandpa walk in years at that point i had him uh, in a life jacket on his back we had him swimming around uh and he, even using the right side which was again was was mostly uh, dead weight at this point and it was it was cool for me but the cooler part was sort of seeing the effect that it had uh, especially on my mom and my and my omi uh which is my grandma that's another long story my brother couldn't pronounce grandma so anyways omi was what <laughs> she got bestowed with and she had it rough for a while too like um you two know i'm sure you guys have worked with uh ms patients over the years and for people who have had experience with it like it's uh it's it's a rough it's a rough go and it's a it's a pretty nasty decline and so she just she had been taking care of him right going from being the man that takes care of you to now she's taking care of him again and i we were in the water together and she's smiling so big and she's and she's having fun and she's laughing and uh, she, you just, you didn't 
see that from her a lot of the time because she just was so busy with taking care of him and, and everything else. And then my mom was on the side of the pool at the time. And I remember looking over to her and she's crying on the side of the pool. And I'm just like, whoa, like this is this is big. Like uh, this is, you know, substantial for people to to get back to moving and seeing people that they love get moving again. And that was sort of the original sort of fire uh, that lit up in me. But again, it was I wasn't really in a point in my life that I was ever going to pursue anything like that. I just this was kind of a checkpoint in my life that was like, wow, that was cool. So fast forward a few years, lifeguarding wasn't really uh, the place for me anymore. So I got into uh, road construction, which you had alluded to earlier. So I was running heavy equipment, mostly like skid steers or bobcats for most people know them as and a little bit of excavator and bulldozers or whatever, just anything I needed to run into. They threw me in and taught me how to run it. So, but at the time too, I was super, super cool. And I was learning how to do some gymnastics with some friends. We would always do these drop-in gymnastic nights. And so I was teaching myself how to backflip, which I would highly discourage people from doing, at least go and get advice from people who know how to do backflips before you start trying to learn how to do them. So, but I could do it. I was like this, you know, I thought I was cool. I could do standing backflips and stuff. So I was doing that and I was doing with it an improper form. I got a lot of the rotational speed from uh, extend, extending my spine when you're supposed to throw your arms and tuck your legs. And if anyone who's a gymnast or knows anything about area aerials or gymnastics, you, you know that that's the case. So I ended up hurting my back really, really bad. I remember the day that it happened quite vividly. Actually, I was working at the, the Calgary airport. We were tying in the new arrivals ramp to the, the new terminal that they were building. And I was having a real rotten day and I was running this, what's called a double steel drum packer. So it's two giant steel drums and it vibrates and it packs the dirt. Anyways, I was upset and I was driving it really fast around the site. And it's just, it's, it's bucking. It's like, if you've ever ridden one of those bowls at the bar, like it, 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 you roll over grass and you feel every blade of grass while you're riding across this thing. And so I kind of just beat myself up this day. And the next day I, I woke up and I, I couldn't, get out of bed. I, I couldn't stand up, couldn't roll out of bed. And it was really scary. Actually, it was one of the scarier moments in my life because I could hardly even walk for a couple of days. And I remember my mom, I mean, I'm crying. I it's the end of the world for me because I've never experienced anything like this before. So she drags me to a physio clinic at the rec center. And uh, yeah, I get, you know, I get the needles and I get the, the heat and she gives me some exercises and I um, listening to Reed's story actually too. I was, I guess I was kind of that similar client. I went about maybe four or five times. And then I was like, I, I know what I'm doing here. I like the exercises. Things are getting better. I'm just going to stick with it and run with it. And so at this time I couldn't do the construction anymore. So I ended up backing out of that. And this is when I started to think about going back to school. Um, so I was working at Walmart, doing some upgrades and rehabbing myself, and it went really well. I It took me about a year to get back to, I would say, almost 100%. And then within a year and a half, I had like come back to the gym, and uh, I was also lifeguarding at the time at the Talisman Center, which is the Repsol Center now in Calgary. And uh, I ended up breaking all my PRs, and, you know, I've, you know, I got myself back to 
to lifting again. So I just, I thought this was really cool. I enjoyed the process. I think that I could maybe be, be good at this. So then that was when I looked at um, going back to school, but that kind of is into another story. So I'll just leave it at that. And then the final thing that sealed the deal for me would be um, I'm working at Momentum. So, and you were a part of a lot of this, but I uh, finally had, I prepping for physio school. Uh, I went to Mount Royal university, which was fortunate enough to push practicums on people pretty heavily, which I, which at the time I didn't realize was as valuable as it was, but I feel like I also took it pretty seriously. So I was fortunate uh, to, to, to have done that. So I ended up finding out that, uh, there was a physio that went to my brother's church and a friend of his had done a placement there and had worked there for a few years. So I said, Hey, like I have to do this 52 hour practicum. Chris, my, who's my brother, would you mind talking to this guy and seeing if he'd be willing to take on a student for the summer, uh, for this practicum. And so he did. And he ended up saying, yes, who I know you know this man now. He's he's your boss, and I guess he's still kind of my boss. My name's still up on the wall. I've only worked one shift in the last four months, but um, that's how much we like you. Yeah, he's something I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> not sure what it is, but so he he blindly said yes, and we still have a running joke about this because he had no idea. He just maybe probably too nice of a guy, but uh, without having met me agreed to take me on for the 52 hours. So I did the 52 hours that summer and I just had a blast. Um, I was mainly doing modalities. So heat, ice, e-stem. And I just fell in love with the space. It was a really, really cool area. I got to just chat with people and build relationships, which is something that I've always prided myself in and I enjoyed doing, which is another thing that sort of led me towards physio as well. And then at the end of the summer, <clears throat> he ended up uh, asking me to go full time. Um, at this point, I was getting close to the end of the program at Mount Royal. And I had to I actually just got hired at the gym at Mount Royal. And so I had to kind of make this decision as to whether or not I would work in school in the same building, which would be really convenient, or I would commute to Okotoks for this PTA job. Um, and I was living in Calgary at the time. So I would be commuting to school and to work with my house sort of in the middle. And that's ended up being the decision that I made. And honestly, never looked back. It was the right decision. It was a lot of commuting. But so those are kind of the three things that really, really like honed me in on uh, wanting to get into physio. Yeah, I, lo I love that. I love that story, especially those first two stories about, you know, having firsthand experience uh, you know, personally, and also with a family member going through the whole rehabilitation journey, because I think something like that, it's a very compelling reason to choose a career, which I think is great, because it's showing that you're making an informed career choice. And I think in the future as well, that's going to make you a better physio as well, because you know what it's like, right? So when a patient comes and sees you, you're going to understand the process that they're going through right now, right? They're not just coming to you because they're in pain, right? Or they can't do a specific thing. They're coming to you because they're actually concerned about their well-being and how they're going to function throughout life. So the fact that you have those experiences is just going to serve you well in the future. So I, I really, I really like those stories. Um, given that, so I wanted to ask you, um, 
what was your specific path to physio school like? Like, what were some of the other different jobs you had? I know Reed mentioned some of them, uh, some of the other experiences, maybe even some turning points that you had that that really put you on that path to physio. So this is like, I'll rewind a bit because this isn't really like, this isn't as much as sort of what directed me to it. But I, I think that it's just an important part of the, of the story for me anyways. And for, I mean, I hope for other people as well too, but so I was never a good student. At least I would tell myself that growing up, I always did. I did okay. Right. Like I, before I moved to Alberta, I was like, you know, like 70, 80s student. I was never, I was never pulling 90s, but I was, you know, passing classes. And I never really would say that I tried too hard. We moved out to Alberta because my dad got a job offer out here. And so I wasn't too happy about that. And my attitude and everything else kind of just went down the toilet as we, when we moved out here, I was really angry with everything. Uh, I didn't want to be out here. I moved grade six to seven, which I thought was a pretty nasty grade to move on. You just, you start kind of, you know, you think you're making your forever friends and stuff like that. We were just at that time going into like junior high. So it was kind of making that shift during that school shift. I was then starting in a new school knowing nobody. Um, so that didn't go well. And I kind of slowly did worse and worse and worse in school. Uh, ended up getting into some trouble. Like I, I got into drugs at a younger age, mostly just smoking weed and stuff like that. But regardless, it was, you know, went down the wrong path, hanging out with the wrong people, got caught with some stuff at school that you're not supposed to have at school and ended up getting suspended for that. And my mom wanted me out of the school at that point. So I ended up doing homeschooling. Well, we attempted homeschooling for a year anyways, which went even worse than the schooling prior to that. And to this day, I actually like never passed grade nine. So I actually like dug through a box the other day and pulled out my report card from grade nine. And it's like forties and fifties in all these classes, like science. I think I had like a 40 in it. And somehow we went to the Foothills comp in Okotoks. We, my mom begged them and said, look at his other grades. Here's all his other report cards. We tried this online schooling last year and it just blew up in our face. You know, like he's a really good kid. Like you gotta, you gotta take him. And they did. So they took me in. I don't know what the legality around that is, but just like never got my grade nine, I guess. Maybe one day I'll have to go back and, and make up for that. I probably wouldn't even be able to pass the grade nine curriculum at this point now, but uh, yeah. So I ended up in high school, high school again, not good, partied too much, skipped a lot of school. There's always this like running joke with my mom, but I think it was my last semester in grade 12. I had 186 unexcused absences and they just never called. So I just like never went to school and they never called. And so the reason why I like to tell this story and I tell people this story, especially when I meet kids in clinic and stuff like that, is because it cost me a lot of money to make the decision. And so if I if anyone's listening to this and usually it's a little bit older age, I would imagine, but do it right the first time, even if you don't think you're going to go to university, which I never did. I was always going to do construction or welding or something like that. And there's nothing wrong with those jobs. But that's just where I was headed. 
So those other experiences that I had just talked to you about uh, came up and I decided that, hey, like I, I wanted to pursue something more and I thought that I could be better than I was. And I just didn't want to wake up at five in the morning to smell diesel fumes at six for the rest of my life was another kind of a big deciding factor for me. So I ended up having to upgrade everything. Uh, English, social, I didn't have to. So let's say everything. So bio, I did do chem. I should have done physics, but I didn't want to because it was just that many more classes. And I didn't even want to do pure math. So actually, I just did the applied math or the dash two. The, like it's called all kinds of different things now, which also, also like really narrowed down my options for universities actually to one school, which was Mount Royal. So I put all my basket, all my eggs in one basket and uh, was fortunate that the upgrades went really well. I smashed bio, which blew myself. I just kind of blew myself away because I never, again, always told myself that I wasn't a good learner and ended up doing quite well in the upgrades, got into Mount Royal. First two years didn't go so well either. It was a big learning curve for me because I had been at a school for about three or four years at that point. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. This, it was more third. And, and just to give some context, my undergrad took me seven years to complete. So this was like year three or four, I started getting into these practicums and getting sort of hurting my back and all this stuff like that. And sort of started to gear towards like, okay, I, you know, this rehab field is starting to, to look pretty cool here. So I was in no rush. I had already started late. I mean, sometimes I told myself that I should be rushing more, but uh, to those of you who are taking your time, it, you, you can still get there. You might not be you know, where you want to be when you want to be, but I'm getting there. So, you know, everybody in their own time. And I think that's important to remember uh, to try not to compare yourself to other people because it's always going to be disappointing. So it's just not worth it. Everybody's on their own path. And then I just, I was working and schooling and that's why it took so long. I was usually working full time either as a lifeguard or like I said, I worked at Walmart for a while did the construction, eventually got the job at the clinic. Uh, and I just picked my way through and I eventually decided on it. And I was really meticulous about how I was going to go about that at that point. And really at that point, I had no idea what I was doing, but I had some experience in the field and I kind of came up with some things that I thought would be helpful to to get me in. And so this is some of the, some of the elective classes that I took again, taking that practicum really seriously and uh, like seeking that experience in the field, because I wanted to know, I had tried enough things at this point in time with the lifeguarding and the construction. And I'd been in sales and, and worked at farms and stuff like that. And I'd done all this stuff and I wasn't about to go in on something that I didn't have some experience with because it just wasn't, I didn't, I felt at this point, I didn't have time to waste either. Cause I was getting, I, you know, was getting older at that point. Some people would laugh at the age that I was at saying that, but I wanted to make sure that I was getting into something that was going to fit me. Um, and that was going to be more so like a forever thing. So 
through school, uh, I made it really, really, I really focused on taking classes that I thought. So things like psychology classes and speech classes, and we can get into that maybe later. Um, but also, and I know, I mean, so I've been on a bit of a podcast smash the last two days. I've been trying to listen. So I, I managed to listen to the first three podcasts. So I know year three stories cash. I was hoping cash was going to be here. I was going to drop this. I thought it was a great one liner. I was going to say I'm in the Valley of the Queens, like the Valley <laughs> of the King. Cause all three of you anyways, it's pretty lame now. Cash was supposed to be here for it. So you can pass that on to him, but I was kind of the only one, not, not, uh, from Queens. Um, but I just heard you guys talking about, you know, the importance of trying to build relationships. I think Anthony, you were talking about building relationships with profs and luckily I, this stuff, this came naturally for me. And I know that this doesn't for a lot of other people and it's really difficult. And I think it's for people that are listening, that are wanting to get into, you know, not even physio, it doesn't matter anything where you need some sort of academic reference. It's really important to start creating those relationships with profs and don't just do it because you have to ideally find a prof that you can you can mesh with so that it's it's worth your time and you actually are going to get something out of it uh, and i was fortunate to have at least two three different profs that i got along really really well with one that i actually like i hang out with we go rock climbing we used to drink yerba mate and eat dark chocolate together all the time i would go visit her in her office and we would just drink mate and and chat and and drink chocolate and stuff so um unknowingly creating these relationships before i even needed knew i needed them was another thing as well too um and then also some volunteering experience that i that i started to seek out as well and we can get into some of that stuff later as well too and yeah just kind of all like it all funneled in it all sort of ended up lining up and uh i started doing my research and I looked into the profession and, you know, had some guidance from Reed at the time. And this is sort of, I guess, when physio school came into my life as well, too. Maybe a little bit afterwards, a couple of years after, but I had done a lot of research. So I knew that it was what I wanted to do. And I had even like written my some personal statements up and stuff like that. And I was kind of on my way, but I was still wasn't sure exactly how to approach the whole application process, but I knew that it was what I wanted to do. Hey everyone, we just wanted to take a quick break from the action to tell you about our sponsor, KenHub. KenHub is an online platform dedicated to make learning anatomy an engaging experience, bringing together multiple learning techniques and using the latest technology to provide a fun alternative to boring old textbooks. KenHub's premium membership includes over 700 articles, 500 practice quizzes and question banks, 100 hours of video material, and 5,000 high resolution atlas images that will help you learn all aspects of human anatomy. If you're someone who's hoping to pursue a career in physiotherapy, anatomy is certainly something you're going to need to become proficient in. Luckily for you, KenHub will help you get there guaranteed. If you're interested in learning anatomy with KenHub, 
click the link in our show notes for 10% off their premium membership so you can start learning today. Now, let's get back to the episode. think that's awesome, man. And for a number of reasons, like, first of all, thank you for sharing all that because it's so important for people to hear um, just that, you know, you don't need to follow that trajectory that Anthony and I particularly went on. You know, it doesn't have to be high school, undergrad, straight to your master's and then bada boom, bada bing, you're all done. You know, you, there, there's a number of different ways you can get to that end point. But also importantly, it's good to know that you don't have to actually finish grade nine to get into physio school as well. So <laughs> I mean, grade I'm nine is the moral of the story. You, you probably do. Need, you probably do need grade nine. Um, but no, that, that was awesome. And I wanted to probe just a little bit deeper about more of those, not so much not physio related, but, you know, what about like some clinic or like hospital experiences or, or those physio related experiences? Um, that you've had, as you know, since you've listened to a few episodes as well, like that's a question that we like to bring up because it's important for people to kind of get an idea of how they can, you know, work towards their application. Yeah, absolutely. So, and don't make the decision without experience would be something that I would say. Plus, if you're going to make the decision anyways, you're going to need the experience. So just do it. Um, seek it out early. Uh the, you know, I didn't want to bring this up, but I, I guess I kind of have to, but, you know, during the pandemic, it made it difficult for people to get a volunteering experience. So get it sooner than later. So at least you have it. A lot of the schools want the experience to be within the last two to three years. I think five years was what I remember being sort of the longest that they wanted um, with regards to timeframes of you doing the volunteering work, but um, try it out first and foremost, because it might not be what you want. There's lots of people that get in and try it, and it's just not for them. And that's totally cool. But uh, you really don't want to go in something into anything blind, especially not a career, especially not a career that's going to uh, take as much work on your behalf to get in. So it's, it's not something you want to do lightly. But um, I was fortunate enough uh, to come across a neuro and spinal cord rehab clinic called Synaptic that has pretty close ties with Mount Royal. There's a lot of students that do their practicums through there. Um, and it's just, it's a, it's a wicked cool spot. So like shout out to Synaptic if anyone hears it on it, but it's actually a non-for-profit. They do have a clinic that's attached to them. So the actual synaptic aspect of the, it is a non-for-profit, um, but they are funded by uh, different benefactors as well as the private clinic that is attached to them, which helps to support them as well too. So I got a lot of experience. Well, I wouldn't say a lot. I think I was at about 40 or 50 hours before the pandemic hit and I got the boot because they just couldn't have the extra hands in the space at that time, which was really disappointing for me because I really enjoyed uh, my time there. You're just working with uh, an amazing, they're an amazing population. It really is like just the resiliency in people and overcoming, you know, these life changing, these different life changing situations, be it a trauma or just, you know, some sort of disease or disorder that comes up or that was always there and just, their attitudes and working with them and seeing the gains and 
a lot of the times it's a lot slower gains than what you're used to in sort of a rehab or sort of strength training progress, but it's just, it was so rewarding to do that. And the experience was great too, because a lot of people don't have that exposure to neuro. Um, even myself, you know, it's like, if you would ask me two years ago, you know, must like MSK was what physios did. Just, you know, as a general statement from my knowledge. So it was cool to get that experience. Um, the other thing again was the clinic uh, in Okotoks doing the placement there. You're not supposed to do both your practicums at the same place, but I uh, silver tongued my way with our academic advisor and told her about how I would be doing all these different tasks for the clinic, um, which it wasn't entirely true actually, but I did do a couple of little side projects. I actually ended up doing the same thing I was always doing, which was kind of the PTA thing. But then I built this whole, I redid our ordering for all the clinical supplies, as well as wrote a bunch of blogs that I think never got used actually. So yeah, but it, I ended up probably, it was supposed to be a 250 hour practicum. I probably worked over 250 hours for him and then easily put 50 to 100 hours into the revamping of the ordering and, uh, and the blogs. So I ended up probably doing more work than you would normally do on the placement. But it was, I know a lot of people who went and did, you know, volunteering somewhere where they just could get the experience and they knew it was easy or it was like with an old teacher that they knew and they didn't have to do anything. And the teacher just wrote off on them, you know, A plus 10 out of 10 for them being at the placement which I just think was a, depending on what you wanted to get into was a waste of your practicum. And I just think that if you have the opportunity to do stuff like that, and if you want to try physio or whatever else it is that you want to try, go and get a practicum, get a placement in whatever you want to do, because it's just, it's such a great opportunity to expose yourself to something new to see if you are going to like it or not. Um, so yeah, synaptic momentum. And then the last thing was probably, and this isn't really my personal experience. I just was a part of it, but my mom had heart surgery in 2019. And thankfully it was right, it was months before the pandemic kind of kicked off and it was an elective surgery. It was not anything that needed to be done urgently. It was this really weird that, well, nobody can explain why she had it basically for the anatomy buffs out there, you'll understand this, but the like the coordinate tendine on her mitral valve, some of them snapped off essentially. And my mom's super healthy. Reed could, you know, vouch for that. Um, she takes her health very, very seriously. And like I said, nobody could tell her why this had happened. So they ended up um, wanting to do heart surgery for her. So this was like, oh, this was a wild time for me. This is when my second last year of university um, I was taking this course, which again, I would come back to and maybe talk about a little bit more later because it's one of the courses I think was really integral to my performance over the last semester of school. But I was getting ready for this uh, MSK, like clinical MSK anatomy final. And it was the next day and my mom was supposed to go for heart surgery the day before the exam. And I remember getting the call that 
there was an emergency and the surgeon had to do an emergency heart surgery and that she was going to get bumped to tomorrow. So now she was having surgery on the same day as my anatomy final. And I remember going, I was a mess. I went and wrote this exam. I don't remember what day it was. I think it was maybe the 19th or something and wrote the exam in the morning and then drove to the hospital right after the exam. And my mom had just gone in for surgery. So I was, it was just, a, it was a whirlwind, but, um, moral of the story was I got to see her go through the cardio resp physio. So at this point now I had a, gotten a lot of exposure. I'd gotten some neuro exposure. I had seen the MSK stuff and I had seen even like some vestibular stuff as well too, like at the private clinic in Okotoks as well too. So I sort of was like seeing like, oh, like physio is not just this MSK focused thing. Like there's, you know, vestibular issues that they can work on. They're in hospitals working with post-op, you know, cardiac patients and stuff like that. And then of course the spinal cord and the neuro stuff. So MS, cerebral palsy, um, stroke, all this stuff like that. And so started to really uh, see how broad the scope of practice was for physio, which just kind of like got me more excited for it. Um, I also have difficulty with like staying focused on something for a long time. I like to like switch things up. I mean, I have, that's what I have issues with like my own working out. I have trouble sticking with the same workout regime for long periods of time. I like to like switch it up. So it again, kind of like got me excited that there was so many different options. Cause again, I always saw myself in sort of private practice, MSK, that was what I was most exposed to, but then seeing all of this other stuff that, that physios are a part of, um, was just really, really cool. So those were probably the three big experiences for me that were physio related. There's one other one that was less physio related, but it was a volunteer experience that I took um, with a prof, which I also think was really, really important. And it was mostly biomechanics based. We did, uh, we were looking at uh, kinematics of, of skating on a, on a slide board. It was basically like puck board with two uh, barriers or gutters on the side. And you would wear these like slippers and you would slide and it would mimic skating. And if, essentially it was to test if it was similar to what would be the gold standard of a, of a cascading treadmill um, test. If you guys ever seen those giant, the super wide treadmills and they actually go laterally as well too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really cool. I got the opportunity to help with data analysis of this and it got me sort of exposed to research, which wasn't again, so physio related, but it was still movement related. And, um, again, kind of got me excited for the sort of sports science aspect of physio and stuff like that as well, too. So that was another really important experience for me. Again, not totally physio related, but sort of off as an offshoot. I think you absolutely nailed it, man. You know, you have all three areas of practice that you or the main three areas of practice that you covered prior to even going into physio school, right? You got your neuro, you got your cardio resp, you got your MSK. And a lot of applicants don't actually do that, right? And that's probably what separated you from the bunch. And that's why you did so well during your application cycle last year, right? And research to boot as well. So you really 
got that exposure. And I know earlier you talked about having the one-liner about being in the Valley of the Queens. I think your one-liner here was don't make a decision until you have experience. That that's That's an absolute killer quote because you know how it is right now, right? You've only been through first semester, but you already know that this profession and just going through school, it's going to test you, right? So you really got to love it and you really got to make sure that you made the right decision for yourself because you don't want to commit to something that, you know, you're not going to end up liking in the end. You know, sometimes it happens, right? Even with an informed career decision, but you know, you, you, I think you did your due diligence, which I, which I think is, is really good. Um, but going back, I know you were talking a little bit about uh, classes earlier. So what type of classes did you take during undergrad that were kind of a little bit different, but helpful for you in preparing for physio school? And this could be the, you know, outside of the prereqs that you took. Yeah. And they are. Um, so now I look back and I would say, fortunately, when I was going to Mount Royal, I hated it. So Mount Royal does, yeah, does a lot of no shame. Yeah, there's an academic over here. <laughs> Pardon me. This guy's an academic over here. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys start with this. You had electives that you did in your undergrad, right? Now, did you have general education courses? Not no. that so I these, remember. <laughs> yeah, we had these. You had these things called gen eds, and it was twelve classes. So of of the whole program, and what is what's a full program? I don't even know. Anyways, depends on the credit system. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, twelve of these classes had to be from these gen ed classes and so what it was is it was four different clusters that went three tiers and you had to take each of the clusters up three tiers so you could choose a class within a cluster like it would be like you know mathematics or it'd be science or like social sciences or it'd be like english or sort of these like these general faculties and you had to take a class and then you had to take it to the two 300 level or two three 3000 level whatever your school is however they kind of course code your your classes and so i ended up taking writing about images it's the only w i have on my transcript because everyone told me this is an easy class and so this is another this is another takeaway that i'd like to give people but don't take classes because they're easy classes. Take classes that are going to set you up to do better in whatever you think you want to do in the future. Writing about images was not one of those things that was going to do that. And I ended up bombing the first few assignments and withdrew from it because of it. And it's one of the reasons that the schooling took me seven years to do because I had these hiccups like this. Anyways, moral of the story was take classes that I thought was going to help. And so for me, with the little knowledge that I had, I thought that psychology and public speaking were two things that I thought that I would try to focus on that would be helpful for me trying to get into physiotherapy. And so the reason behind that was I wanted to know what people were thinking, why they thought it and how they came to believe what they what they thought their beliefs and values essentially which psych was awesome for that um, i took a behavioral neuroscience class which was one of the coolest classes i've ever taken um 
unfortunately I did it in uh, spring semester and it was really, really intense. Uh, it was super, super fast paced, but I had just finished a motor behavior class and like two of the parts of the class were like sensory and motor. And so I was like, oh, I know this already. Like I just did a whole class that was dedicated to this, but getting the sort of the cognition behind it and like, you know, why we do the things that we do um, and how you build different beliefs and values was, I think, super valuable um, going forward. And now looking back, it's just invaluable um, because I like to think I have a better grasp on or just a better understanding of why people think differently than I do. And it allows me to kind of pull myself out of my own beliefs and values, challenge my own beliefs, um, and to kind of put myself into other people's shoes. So I thought that the psychology stuff was really, really helpful um, with understanding human behavior a little bit better. Uh, the second thing would be speech. And if you asked, well, Reed would probably attribute, but definitely my girlfriend or my mom, like I'm pretty good at talking. I don't, not always about things, but I'm like really good at, at speaking. So I wanted to, I knew that as a physio, I was going to be in front of people. And I know people think public speaking and they think, oh, a big crowd and I'm talking to a large group of people, but it's really, it's not about that. Public speaking is as much one-on-one -on -one as it is one on a thousand, whatever it is, it makes no difference. And it's not always, always like all about speaking. So you learn a lot about body language. You learn a lot about your, your body language and how to either open yourself up or close yourself off or, you know, how to exude confidence, even if you don't feel confident and stuff like that. And learning to talk and learning to utilize these different tactics with speech was huge for me, especially in the interview process and now going through some of these like mini OSCE tests that I've done now, you just become really comfortable talking in front of people and it, it takes the edge off of a lot of stuff. So those were like I did uh, for the psych stuff, I did the behavioral neuro and a lifespan development. And again, you guys both know the importance of lifespan development um, in the realm of physio because we get to treat everybody from birth to grave so it's pretty cool and again something that's exciting because it's not focused on a specific population and then the other one was just an intro to public speaking but the cooler one was a persuasive speech class and the reason it was so interesting was because it wasn't about me making you think what i wanted you to it was about me planting seeds so that and giving you the information that you would hopefully then come to this come to the decision on your own, which I think we all know is a far more powerful way to take an action. Because if somebody tells you to take an action, you might do it. But if you're doing it for somebody else, it's just not as powerful. But when you come to you're like, oh, like, here's all this information I've been given. Oh, like, wow, okay, I can see how this adds up and can and can lead to this. I think this is the best action for me. And that was the whole point of the class was it wasn't about persuading people to do what you wanted to do. It was about giving them the information and hoping that they came to the right decision. And that was the persuasion in itself, but it was just this different approach. Um, 
I guess that's, I guess motivational interviewing would be another way to probably title the class, to be honest with you. So I did another one called the art of the pitch, which was more of an entrepreneurship class, but it was also interesting because it was like, you had to do, you had to get your point across in like a minute, sometimes like an elevator pitch. And although it was my um, sign language class, because it, it brought me down. If, if anyone's listened to the episode, episode three, um, you'll know about the sign language class. And it was the one that dragged my GPA down. And I was this close to getting it. It was the last class. It was, it was like 19 or 20 of 20 classes of my last 20 classes. And I almost got rid of it, but I just didn't. And it was the one class that pulled my GPA down. But again, super valuable having the skills to get my opinion across in a short period of time. Again, especially in something like an MMI or uh, Cure Talent or even the Casper, even though it's mostly written, right? It was like being able to sell myself or my idea in a short period of time was really valuable um, for the whole application process. There are so many gems within what you just said. I encourage everyone to, you know, pause the podcast right now, rewind eight minutes and listen to that again. Cause seriously from, you know, just taking classes that, you know, you not are only going to just get a good grade in, but you will enjoy. And then also will set you up for success in the future. Speaking from experience as well, like those are the courses you do the best in. And I made that mistake along the way. Hence why I have ancient Egyptian civilization, you know, classics 2500A on my transcript as well from undergrad. Didn't care at all, but just tried to get a good grade in it. But it's not as fulfilling as some of those experiences that you just spoke about, John. So that's great. We have uh, two more questions that we want to go through. um, And then we'll wrap things up for this pod. But, you know, you're half a semester, sorry, half a year now. You're a full semester into physio school. And obviously this could be a big question, but I was hoping you could just sort of go through some of like the highlights, lowlights, just share your experience of PT school so far. You know, a lot of our listeners are trying to get to the point that you're at right now. And it'd be great to hear, you know, how your experience has been. So I think I have been really fortunate with my experience. Um, It's been difficult for everybody. So I'm not going to say mine's any more difficult than anybody else's throughout the pandemic, but things are just, they're flip-flopping and your people are scared and, you know, you're trying to do all this, you know, hands-on stuff, right? Physical therapy is just a hands-on profession and you're trying to navigate doing these labs and stuff. And fortunately for us, um, zero transmission, knock on wood, Um, We've done really, really well. Um, Everyone is very respectful, but um, it's been, it's been difficult um, just because you're trying to make the right decisions, but you're also trying to get together with your classmates to study and stuff like that. So, but besides that, the reason I say I was so fortunate is that I have such a wicked support group. And this is, this is both um, classmates and personal like my family is just phenomenally supportive I here I am in my parents basement again um, living for free you know um, it's a bit of a commute I drive about 45 minutes to get to school so it's you know it's a good hour and hour and a half two hours of driving every day to get to and from school but um, 
I just, they've always had my back and I just shout out, I would, I would love to say everybody's name, but I know we're, we're coming up on time here and, but I will just give a shout out to my discord group. And if, if there's any gamers out there, they'll know what discord is. And if you aren't, then it's basically just a chat room app essentially um, for streaming and screen sharing and stuff like that. And actually it's taken off so much that they actually offer deals to schools that sign up with them now. Um, but we just had uh, one of my friends set it up early on, you know, a couple of us, probably 15 or 20 of us really sort of latched onto it. And it's just been phenomenal. We've had, I've had the most supportive group. Everyone's got each other's backs. We're online every night studying, quizzing each other. And again, we're in the pandemic. So it's, you know, it's over the screen most of the time, but it's just, it's accountability more than anything. And so I think one of the reasons that this semester block one has gone so well for me is the support i never i would have never done as well as i did uh without the support and i think a lot of people in the group would would say the same thing so um i guess some advice would be you know find a really good study group and just like latch on and spend time with each other and talk about things and discuss things because people just understand things differently they have different analogies um, they have different ways of explaining different theories and topics and it's so valuable to hear it from other directions sometimes it makes you more confused other times it'll lock it in your head and you're writing the test and that person just starts talking in your head and you that's the answer and that's when you know they taught you that so i think my experience has been so good because of um how supportive everybody is i'm in calgary also by the way for those of you who don't know um the university of alberta has a satellite campus in at the at a, at a downtown campus um in calgary so there's 68 students in edmonton and there's 24 students in calgary and so we have a pretty tight-knit group in calgary which is really really fun as well too um it kind of feels like uh like elementary school all over again, like, you know, class size that's smaller than 30, that just doesn't happen anymore. So that's been really cool as well. But uh, it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, I hate like, I hate to say that I don't want to discourage anybody because of that. But I also want to like forewarn you. It's just it's not, it's not like undergrad anymore. It's a whole new ball game, especially for someone like me who only ever took three classes a semester and was working. You know, I like I, you know, I had long days. I was working 12, 14 hour days between school and work, but it was never content for like 12 to 14 hours a day. It's like sitting in class for, you know, six hours a day sometimes and then studying for another like six to 10 hours some days. And it's, it's, it is a lot, but you're doing what you love if you're there for the right reason and, and it, it's worth it. But read, you know, Steven, our boss, um, a friend of mine, Will Nicholson, shout out to the movement PT podcast, um, all told me like, it's really, really hard. And I was like, I pumped it up. I built it up in my head leading up to it. And it was still so much harder than I ever could have thought it was. And I don't know if the schooling's hard or if it's the balancing life in school or if it's because I'm trying to do this during a pandemic and we can we can create I'm graded excuses so we can we can go on all day about that. But 
um, it's hard and you have to work hard. And that's why it's so important to have that support, both academically, but socially as well. And I've been really fortunate to, to have both of that throughout. Um, and then just the experience, like, you, you know, the schooling, you know, the book learning aspect of it, it's not always what you want to do. You're learning stuff that you don't maybe feel is that valuable or you're just not that interested in and that's okay. And you know what? You might not do as well on that stuff. And that's also okay. You just have to pass. And I'm still trying to learn that. I've been told by so many people that you just have to pass and I can't. I'm so stuck in that underground mindset of like, I need that GPA. So I just need to go harder and harder and harder. And I, and I don't, I need to understand what I'm doing and I need to pass everything. And so I'm starting to get there, I think, but, uh, forewarned it's hard and it's hard to get over. So it's something that you should, uh, be aware of going into the program. But then once you get on placement and that's been sort of, you're burnt out. And then I went on placement last week. And even a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to be at the uh, Peter Lougheed Center in Northeast Calgary. And um, I got placed in the ICU. And at the time, um, you know, this is a whole other story about my background with COVID and vaccines and stuff like that. But I just, long story short, I was very hesitant with the whole thing. And uh, I had, had had to get the shot to stay in the program. So I had one shot at the time. And I was going to the Peter Lougheed and I was going in the ICU and I had been told that students weren't allowed in the ICU, especially on this shadow placement. That was just like a no, no, it wasn't supposed to happen. And here I am. They're like, we're going to put you in the ICU. And I'm like, my stomach drops. I'm like almost like sweating a little bit. And then I was like, what a great opportunity for me to see the inside because I've heard all this stuff on the news and the media and I've heard from this side and I've heard from that side and I don't know what to believe anymore and I was like I would like to see this if you guys are willing to to allow me to like if you're comfortable with this I'm comfortable with this and I don't think they were comfortable with it but they said yes anyways and so I got to witness it and so seeing that side if you've never been in an ICU before it's shocking. It really is. It's if you've never seen it before, it's nothing like you've ever seen. I had a little bit of experience before with my mom because she was intubated after the heart surgery. And I got to see her after that, um, which actually just brought back a whole lot of emotions. I was like almost crying in one of the rooms that I went into because, you know, just it brought back all these feelings with my mom and stuff like that. But it was just like, whoa, like physios are in this realm as well, too. And this like acute care setting as well, too, which is something that I hadn't experienced to that point, besides that little bit with my mom. Um, and then just this previous placement, again, it just it, it lights a fire under your ass when you see what you will get to do. And I got to see wicked cool stuff on my placement. I was talking to Reed and it was not a wings topic, but here we were sitting for wings and I'm talking about wounds care. I never even knew. Ask me a week and a half ago. I had no idea physios did wound care. That was not something that I knew existed. And we won't, we don't need to get into details of that just no. in case there's some squeamish listeners, but uh, really important work, really important work. You have no idea how important it is. Um, you know, 
wounds get out of control faster than you can imagine too. And it was shocking to see what the physio's um, scope was there. Like this one physio there, she's this legend and she's actually advocated so hard for PTs that she actually can administer lidocaine when she's working on these wounds, if they're too sensitive and stuff. And so because of her, you can actually, as a physio, get certified to administer lidocaine in a situation with wounds care. Um, and then one more experience I'll talk about is this gentleman who has stroke. And this remind me of my grandpa a little bit. And I think that's why it hit home. But just these placements, are they kind of, you get burnt out and you're tired and you're learning all this stuff and it moves so fast. Sometimes you wonder if you're learning anything because it moves so fast. But when you get into practicing and things start to, the picture kind of starts to come back together. And anyways, we had this gentleman and we got this guy standing um, post-stroke. And unfortunately, he'd, he's about six weeks out. Um, and so a lot of times you get most of your recovery in the first month with a stroke. But uh, he was working really hard and he was trying so hard and we got him standing up. And we sat him down, we did three cycles of, of a sit to stand and we stood for about 30 seconds to a minute each time. And the second time he stood up, he started he started to tear up while he was standing there. So I'm I'm like crying now. The physio's like, you're gonna make me cry. And he's just, he's so, he's so joyful to be standing again. And I gotta be a part of that. I was a part, I gotta, I gotta help stabilize him. I was holding the chair to make sure that he didn't pull it up on himself. And it's just, that's, that's why you're there. And so when, you know, like when you get down in the dumps and you're struggling through your undergrad or you're struggling through your first block or second block or whatever it is, like it's those moments that you got to kind of like call back on to remember, like, this is why I do this. This is why I'm here. And um, it's just, you know, I'm here doing what I love and it was hard to get here and that makes it even better. So well put Lock one has been wild, but it's been amazing. So yeah, seriously, a hundred percent well put. I, I think the key thing to highlight there is exactly what you mentioned. Those intermittent clinical exposures throughout the, you know, two, two and a half years in physio school. That is what reignites that fire on you. Right. Because like you mentioned, I'm not even going to add anything to what you said. It is hard, right? It's hard going through it and you do get burnt out. Right. You have the support, but it it happens. It just it just is what it is. But having experiences like the ones that you just mentioned just really reinvigorates you. Right. I know, Reed, you can probably speak to it, too. You know, like just getting back into a semester after a clinical placement, you just feel like the batteries are recharged. Right. And I know you're probably going to experience that as well, John, when you when you head back. So I think that's that's super important to for, for listeners going through it right now to know about. And for people who are going to be going through it in the future, just remember that. Um, so last question here. So, you know, Reed and I and Cash, we've been working on this physioschool.ca project for a while now, right? You know, we're coming up on like a year and a half. And the first year, we kind of did it behind the scenes a little bit just to get that proof of concept out there. And you were actually one of the first to go through uh, our programs, right? PT application booster and the PT interviews booster. So for people who are listening, who may be contemplating uh, doing one of our courses or using any of our resources, 
Uh, could you maybe give them some insight on on your experience and how that was and you know how it helped you eventually get to PT school? Don't contemplate, just do it first and foremost. <laughs> but uh, I've, I think I've already sold at least one or two people on it now at this point. But um, I did a lot of research. I, I did uh, I did a lot of research before ever coming. I mean, I think even before I met Reed, um, you know, I had read, I had gone to all these, all the different schools and I was similar to, I think, Reed's story where I, I didn't think I had a great GPA um, just because this like 4.0 was this, was so readily passed around regarding physio school. Um, I had a good GPA, but I, I just didn't think it was that good. Um, so I did all my research. I read through all the schools. I applied to five schools. What? Mac, U of T, Queens, Western, U of A, Dal, six. I was going to apply to McGill until they brought in the uh, French language proficiency aspect. So I, I crossed that off my list. But I had read through all these schools' websites. I had been through the Physiotherapy Canada website, the core competencies, the skills and attributes, and I knew I I, I knew a lot. I I really did, and I kind of I wondered how much that the that your the program could offer, and some of it was a little bit repeat but there was so much more deeper information and it, and it almost came more from the experience and the understanding and anyone who's done it it is a pain in the ass to try and sift through those schools websites like it is not like click here to get like you have to find everything you have to find everything and sometimes the web pages don't load or they're not even there anymore like it's just like things just go wrong the whole time along the way. And every school is different. Every school focuses on different competencies and different values, and they have a different interview process. And some want a Casper and some don't, and some want a personal statement and some don't, and some want volunteer experience. And it's just, it's really, really difficult to sift through it all and to know exactly where you're supposed to be at with each of the program applications. And so that's where physio school came in. And it was just, here's the information for McMaster. You need to take the Casper. And you if you get through that with your GPA, you're taking the Kira talent. And this stuff changes year to year as well, too. So that's the other thing. So don't take anything that I say to heart because go and research it yourself or enroll in the program because you, you're going to have to learn it again because it, it changes year to year. And they're constantly trying to make it better. There's so much feedback. Um, from the professors in the program now to us that are like, how can we make the application process more accepting to different, like more diverse and stuff like that as well too. And so this stuff is constantly under heavy scrutiny and it's changing all the time. And so physio school just really got into the nitty gritty. I had this surface information. I knew a lot of the stuff, but I didn't know how to utilize that information as well either, which was another thing. So again, writing personal statements, you know, I kind of was saying everything that I needed to say, but I wasn't, what's the word? 
relating it to what they were looking for. And that was the gap that that physio school bridged for me. I had my personal statements written up. But again, you guys helped me to really hone in on the specific experiences that I had that were valuable and how I was going to relate that to the profession and be like, this, this is why you should choose me because I've done this stuff and it's helped me cultivate this skill. And it's, and it's so important to do that because that's what sets you out from other applicants. It's so easy to go and read the physiotherapy competencies and say, I am professional and I have management skills and I can communicate well, but they don't care if you can list a bunch of competencies. They want to know how your life and the experiences that you've had have directed you and cultivated these different things in you. And if they haven't, are you aware of it? And how can you be better at that in the future? And so I think, especially the application booster, I guess I'm mostly talking about the application booster here now was again, invaluable in that sense. Now, as for the interview stuff, again, I, you know, pride myself on my public speaking abilities and I'd been in the clinic and I talked with people and I've had interviews over the years and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I was like, I wasn't too, too worried about that, but I didn't have the, the tools to practice and I didn't know how to practice. And so the practice tests and the questions and stuff were again, so, so valuable for me. Uh, again, it's, it's what you do with them as well too. So, um, you know, shout out to my girlfriend, Nicole, and also my mom, but mostly Nicole, cause she listened to more practice interviews than she would probably like to admit. And uh, I remember actually the day before my MMI for U of A, I, she came over to do a practice exam with me, one of the exams that you guys had written. And uh, this, was, this wasn't even the real thing. And I remember right before I pressed start to do the timer for the thing, I just broke down and just started crying, just full on weeping. And I mean, I'm glad it happened the night before and not the day of the actual interview but um there's a lot of stress and especially depending on who you are like there's a lot weighing on this like for me it was this is close to 10 years of cultivation to try and be where I'm at and this was the last I had made it through the GPA loop you know the gate you know and I, I that's where I thought I was gonna fail if I was going to was the GPA wasn't gonna get in because of that so I'd been through that and now it was the interview and everything was hanging on this interview and it's stressful. It, it really is. But if you have a good team and you've got people supporting you and more importantly, you've put in the work, you've put in the practice. Reed also did some practice interviews with me as well too. And so thank you for that. But uh, again, you know, you can take the, the course, but uh, don't take the course if you're not serious. And if you're not going to put the work in, because just don't waste these guys' times and don't waste your own time because it's not, it's just not worth it. So like you got to, again, get the experience, be serious. You really want to be serious about this because it's not, it's not easy to get in and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of stress and it's not worth putting yourself through that if you're not serious about it. And so again, you guys just kind of help me be more serious, fine tune everything 
you know, I remember writing my personal statement and I thought it was so good. I was like, yes, dude, like, look at me go. I bragged about myself, which I'm, you know, I like to say I'm not good at, but I'm probably better at it than I think I am. But uh, I remember getting it back from Anthony and the whole thing was highlighted. <laughs> and I was like <laughs> gutted. I was just absolutely gutted because I thought I had done such a good job, but I had basically done what I just told you not to do, which was list these things. You know, I'm a great leader, you know, but why are you a great leader? You know, tell me why. And I hadn't done that. And so that's the stuff that you guys challenged me and uh, helped guide me sort of refining my, my statements for that stuff. And that was just, again, it was just invaluable. Um, so, and you guys, I know courses that are like MMI prep specific and they're a hell of a lot more expensive than what you guys charge. So it's just, it's worth every, it's worth every penny, which I think is in my little write up that you guys put on the, <laughs> on the website as well too. So. Yeah. Thank you, John. That's awesome, man. Yeah, no, that's unreal. Great, great feedback for us. And you know, I hope hope people hear that for sure because this is a this is a real success story right in front of you. But awesome, man. Honestly, really, really appreciate your your insight, your story. You know, it just speaks to your perseverance and just will to get to physio school. Uh, before we wrap up, Reed, you got any last minute questions for John or <clears throat> think we're good to go? None for me. I'm good to go. But just once again, thank you so much for taking time out of your your vacation between semesters here. It's uh, like I said, you dropped a lot of knowledge bombs on everyone tonight. So I hope that everyone can take at least something from your experience. And to be honest, I know someone, you know, everyone will take at least something. So thank you. No, I appreciate it. It's just I tell myself this and it's it's hard, but it's just try You just never give up on yourself because I would have gave up on myself back in high school and never would have even upgraded. And there were so many crossroads. And I remember getting into university and my mom was laughing because she was just like, there's no way that you're here now and other people as well too. And then now, you know, doing my master's. And again, it's like this, it's comedy for my mom because I was a shithead as a kid and I, you know, did not do well in high school and she tried so hard to gear me towards it. And it's just everyone on their own time and just don't give up on yourself. And if you want something bad enough, you really can't do it. And I can't even tell you how many times I doubted myself and Reed knows he heard about it multiple times leading up and throughout. But uh, I guess if I'm here now. If you put the work in, you can make it happen. So proof of that uh, man yeah living proof (laughs) (laughs) yeah man from grade nine to here i love it exactly Exactly. all right guys really appreciate for having me i i you know this is my inaugural podcast this has been a a dream of mine so i want to thank you guys for uh inviting me on but also like thank you guys for all the help i still owe you guys a drink or a dinner or something because uh i don't know if i would i would be here without you guys. So I, uh, I appreciate both of you a lot and cash. You're listening cash. I know I haven't met you yet, but (laughs) I know you had some, you designed the stuff as well too. So we'll be talking, give me two years and we'll be talking about, about the national exams and I'll be 
talking shop there for sure yeah uh, awesome man really appreciate that really appreciate you coming on and uh, really appreciate you listeners so if you guys if you want to keep listening to episodes like this please please consider subscribing please please consider leaving a five-star review really helps us to put out the best possible content for you guys so definitely consider that and then if you want to chat with us reach out to us we're on pretty much every social media platform just go on our show notes and you can uh, reach out to us from there all right guys we will see you at the next episode thanks for listening to the physio school podcast if you want to hear more from us consider subscribing so that you don't miss any future episodes and if you enjoy this episode we'd really appreciate it if you wrote us a review so that we can continue to give you our very best Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.